Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There's a greater reality because it's eternal. So God is wanting us to get our eyes fixed on what's permanent. He's wanting us to get our eyes fixed on what's eternal. He's wanting us to realize that there's no need to strive here in this world to attain the things that men deem as important because God would say, look, I'm going to give it all to you in the end anyway. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, in a message titled, Our Inheritance in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Brian. We're looking here at all that God has done for us in Christ. In Christ is one of Paul's favorite themes, and it's certainly a strong theme here in Ephesians. And so here in verse 11, he says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So in him, in Christ, over and over again, Paul uses this phrase. So what does he mean? What is he talking about when he refers to us as being in Christ. Well, this is one of the ways that the apostle uses to describe what's happened to those who believe in Jesus. We have believed in him. We put our faith in him. And as a result of that, God has placed us in Christ. So we're no longer in our natural condition and our connection to Adam But now we are in a new place. We are now in Christ. You see, there are only two possibilities. There's only two categories when it comes to mankind. When God looks at humanity at large, he sees us in one of two places. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. Now, we are in Adam by nature. We're, we're, we're connected to Adam. He's the, he is, the, uh, of course, the original human being, him and Eve, and everybody else has descended from them. But what we've inherited from them because of their revolt against God, because of their sin, we've inherited sin. And so if you're in Adam, then there's sin, there's the curse, and there's death. But In Christ, everything changes. And so in Christ, we're blessed. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that would stand to reason because Christ is the blessed one. So if Jesus is the blessed one, the Bible refers to him uh, like that in different places, he's the blessed one, then those who are in him are then automatically blessed as well. The Bible refers to him as the Holy One. 
He is the Holy One of Israel. And so then it stands to reason that those who are in him are likewise holy. You see, we're not naturally blessed in and of ourselves. We certainly are not naturally holy, but God takes us and he puts us in Christ. And so there we are. We're blessed in him. We're we're now holy because of him. Paul told us that we are accepted in Christ. God sees us in Christ. And so we have perfect acceptance, complete acceptance. We've talked about this already. Uh, In Christ, we saw that we have wisdom and insight into God's plan for the ages. We know the future. God's let us in on his secret, that he's going to ultimately bring everything under the immediate authority of Christ. And now here in this 11th verse, Paul tells us that in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. What is that all about? What does that mean? Well, there are at least three things. Number one, Christ is the heir of everything. I love that passage in Hebrews chapter one, the first few verses of Hebrews chapter one. It says, at various times and in different ways, God spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Everything that there is has been bequeathed to Jesus Christ by God the Father. Everything there is. The world and everything in it. That, remember that scripture from, I, I, it's probably the Psalms. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It's true. The earth belongs to the Lord. The earth belongs to Jesus. God gave it to him. And not just the earth, God gave him the entire cosmos. He gave him everything that there is. So he has been appointed by the Father as the heir of all things. And now, listen, here's where it gets totally amazing. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So just as God has given everything to Jesus, Jesus has shared all of that with us. All of the riches, all of the wealth of everything that there is belongs to us. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. We are currently heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, but we haven't yet entered into the full experience of it, but we're going to. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, the world and everything in it. God has given that to us. So Paul says that we've obtained an inheritance. All things belong to us. But secondly, there is the obtaining, this is something in the future as well, the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ. Now this is, again, this this is the kind of stuff that it's, it's incomprehensible in many ways. We need nothing less than the Holy Spirit to illuminate us when it comes to the magnitude of these truths. They're, they're just beyond us. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to do that for us, to, to bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, that we are the heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, that we are going to obtain that glory. But there's coming a time when we are going to enter into all of the fullness of this. You see, these 
truths are to remind us that this life is not the end. And this is not the most important thing. Because our tendency is to get focused on the present when God is wanting to keep us looking to the future because that's when all of this is coming. We, we so easily get bogged down in this present situation, don't we? Now, this is, you know, it is a present reality, but it's a temporary situation. There's a greater reality, and it's greater because it's eternal. It's permanent. So God is wanting us to get our eyes fixed on what's permanent. He's wanting us to get our eyes fixed on what's eternal. He's wanting us to realize that, look, there's no need to strive here in this world to attain the the things that men deem as important because God would say, look, I'm going to give it all to you in the end anyway. So you see, we can freely go about the business of the kingdom of God and not worry so much about the business of getting ahead in this life. And, and I say not worry about it in the sense that we're, we're putting that before God or we're striving for that or we're, you know, we're trying to impress somebody or, or our whole identity is wrapped up in being you know, wealthy or powerful or something like that. These are the things that strangle a person spiritually. But God calls us to let go of these things because he says, you're inheriting all of this. We have this inheritance in Christ, the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, the greatest thing about our inheritance is that we, the Lord himself is our inheritance. Now, again, this is something that's, it's difficult for us to get a hold of. The Lord himself becomes our inheritance. And, you know, the scriptures, they keep pointing us to just how the Lord himself, even when it comes to the heavenly city that's described in Revelation 21 and 22. And if you've read that, you know that it's a wonderful picture. The most important part of it is is it goes on to say, and the throne of God and the lamb shall be there. And remember that one point where it says, and there is no sun. There's no need for the sun, for the Lord God and the Lamb are the light thereof. So you see, the ultimate inheritance is the Lord himself. It's the Lord. This is is what we were created for. We were created to live in deep communion with God, and that's where we're going to be someday. We're going to be there in his presence. He will be our inheritance. And as wonderful as the cosmos is, as wonderful as the, all of the created order is, as great as that might be, it will pale in comparison to him. And what we've been talking about here as we've been going through this passage and as we've been making our way slowly through it and what the Spirit of God has, I think, clearly been wanting to remind us of is how precious we are to God how valuable we are to him, that we are an inheritance to him, that he loves us more than we could ever imagine, that that his delight is in us, that his eye is upon us. So we have this inheritance. We've inherited and will inherit 
but God has inherited in us as well. And Paul says that we have been predestined according to his purpose. And this is just again to remind us that all that God has promised to do, he's going to do it. God is not a person to not follow through with his promise. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It's as good as done. When God says he's going to do something, it's as good as done. When it, when it says that we've been predestined, that means it's been predetermined that this is going to happen, and it can't be otherwise. So you have obtained an inheritance in Christ, and it, that's the reality. It can't be altered. It's like it's already done, and it's according to his purpose. And just, again, remember, we talked about how life is not purposeless. Life is not random. Your life is not without a purpose. There's a very specific purpose for your life. God created you with a very specific purpose. It's ultimately to obtain an inheritance through Christ and to be his inheritance. But there are many things that are included in that as we walk through life here. But now Paul, and I want to emphasize this as we wind things down today. Paul, as I pointed out previously, but I want to come back to it. One of the things that Paul keeps doing in this portion of scripture here is, is, as I said previously, he keeps reminding us of God's absolute sovereignty is the word that we use. God's absolute sovereignty over everything. And this is an important thing for us to get into our understanding. That God really is in complete charge of everything. And he's done everything as Paul says here, after the counsel of his own will. The practical benefit of getting a grip on that is, again, to just understand that it can't fail with God. I think sometimes, even though we would not necessarily articulate it, we wouldn't believe it, or at least say it out loud, sometimes we, we kind of live life like, in the end, God might just go down. You know, He might just be overthrown. We don't know. We don't know how it's going to work out sometimes. We, again, we're not consciously thinking that way, but subconsciously we kind of must be because we're behaving like that. But what Paul wants us to know is that everything is all after the counsel of God's will. He didn't consult anybody on any of this stuff. All, all of it is rooted in who he is. And that makes it absolutely certain and absolutely secure. You see, one of our problems today is that we have, our thoughts of God are too small. We suffer from these thoughts of God that are too small. As J.I. Packer put it, he said, we are modern people, and modern people, though they cherish great thoughts of themselves, have, as a rule, small thoughts of God. And it's true. And it is true, as people have pointed out, that in our current Generation, we have a, we've had a tendency to uh, become very man-centered in our perspective on things as the church. Everything seems to revolve around man, and, and God has, in a sense, been eclipsed within his own church where, where man has, has become more the central figure. But the biblical picture is always God is at the center. At the end of the day, it's about God. 
And so Paul is reminding us of that when he speaks here of him predestining according to his purpose after the counsel of his will. And here's two things that you need to understand in regard to that. Number one is that God in planning things after the counsel of his will, God was not motivated by anything outside of himself. Now think about this. God was not motivated by anything outside of himself. Therefore, things outside of himself do not, they're, they're not a factor in him accomplishing his purpose. Now, I bring that up because sometimes we hear it said that God foreknowing who would accept Christ then chose them for salvation. Now, we're trying to figure things out always. How does this all work? But there comes a point where what Paul is telling us is there comes a point where we have to stop trying to figure things out and just simply recognize, you know, God is beyond my figuring out. And rather than come up with some explanation that kind of puts man back into the picture, I need to just let the scripture say what it says. God was not motivated by anything outside of himself. When he chose to save us, it wasn't because of anything outside of himself. It was entirely his decision with no outside influence, not, no other motivating factor. So again, now take that and think about it. Since that's the case, nothing influenced him in his decision. His decision is unalterable. Nothing influenced him to make the decision. Nothing's gonna influence him to not to reverse the decision. It's a, in other words, it's done. It's accomplished. Nor did God consult with anyone regarding his plan of salvation. There was no meeting where God gathered together the angels and said, now, what do you think we should do? God didn't do that. This was all after the counsel of his will. And Paul expresses it like this in Romans. He says, oh, the depth, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Listen, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That's the reality. God's judgments are unsearchable. His ways are past finding out. He's greater than our minds could ever, ever, ever begin to conceive. As great as you can conceive of God being, he's much greater than that. How unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid him? Listen, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. And here's the point that I want to drive home with this. Listen, God is, it's all taken care of. Everything's predetermined according to the counsel of his will. It, it, nothing, nothing's going to be altered. He, he cannot possibly be overthrown. It's, it's not even anything we should ever think of. And what does this practically bring to us? It should bring to us complete confidence that what God has promised to do, it's as good as already done. We sometimes, like I said, it's almost like we imagine God being in danger. Boy, haven't you noticed the, the forces that have arisen against God these days? Because we're thinking of what it is to us. Oh, yes, it's a problem to me, but it's not a problem to God. 
And so, in closing, remember this. God, according to his will, chose us in Christ to obtain an eternal inheritance. And we see that we have become heirs with Christ of all things. We're going to obtain to the glory of Christ. God himself is our ultimate inheritance, but yet also God, according to his will, chose us in Christ to be his eternal inheritance. That's how valuable you are to God. He chose you. You're his inheritance. He thinks of you like you would think of him. He thinks of us that he got a great deal somehow. He thinks that. And that's okay. If he wants to think that, we, we'll just let him, right? <laughs> okay, God. You said it. You said we're a great deal. Okay, we'll just take it, for, take it at face value. But here's the question in closing. The question is, because all of these things, notice, they're connected to the phrase we began with, in Christ. The question, so the question is this, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Remember what I said? There's only two categories. There's only two possibilities. You're either in Adam, and in Adam, you're in sin, you're under the curse, and there's death, and separation. Or you're in Christ. Every one of us, of course, have been in Adam. Some are still there today. The vast majority of the people on the planet are still there today. But some have come out, transitioned out from Adam and come now into Christ. So have you done that? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Someone might say, well, I'm just not sure whether or not God has chosen me. You're talking about being chosen. I, I don't know. I don't know if God chose me. Well, listen. Have you chosen him? Have you chosen him? Because you will find that if you choose him, you will find that, yes, indeed, he chose you. It's like, I think it was Spurgeon who said it. As you're walking into the gate of heaven over the arch there, it reads, whosoever will, let him come. And you walk through and you turn around and you look at it on the other side and it says chosen from before the foundation of the world. So you see, there's no contradiction. There's no conflict. You want to be chosen? Choose. Choose Christ. And you'll find that God has indeed chosen you to obtain an inheritance. And he's chosen you to be his inheritance. Now, let's join Pastor Brian as he shares about this month's resource from Back to Basics. Hi, I want to tell you about a book that I think is going to be revolutionary for many, many men and, and perhaps for some women too. Most of you know that we have a massive pornography problem in the United States. It's not limited to the United States. It's a worldwide problem. And my friend Ray Ortland has written a book that I think is going to help so many people in dealing with the subject of pornography. The book is called The Death of Porn, 
And the subtitle is Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility. I had the privilege of reading the book before it was published, and I was able to write a little recommendation in it. And it is the best book I've ever read on the topic because it comes at it from the angle of our identity in Christ and who we are. And because of who we are, we don't need these kinds of things that we often gravitate toward and end up in bondage to. So my recommendation for this month is The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Death of Porn, Men of Integrity Building a World of Nobility by Ray Ortland. You can order the book The Death of Porn by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Death of Porn by Ray Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.